Speaking of friendship, written by Murray Stein and Henry Abramovich. With Murray Stein, Henry Abramovich and Lewis Morris. Sound design by Arian Frank. Produced by Blue Salamandra. Where have you brought me, Murray? This isn't a restaurant, it's a museum. Look, there is a Chagall painting. And here, a drawing by Paul Clay. And by the door, a Picasso etching. I feel like we're dining with old friends. Yes, old friends, Henry. It's like sitting with some of those beloved authors on our library shelves. Indeed, right next to you. This is the famous bar of the Kronenhalle restaurant. The best place in town to meet with a friend. Quiet, cozy, refined, but not too much. And the cocktails here are famous. Let's sit at the bar. You'll meet Hermes, the bartender, a very unique young Greek man who lives up to his name as the bringer of gifts from the gods. Let me catch his eye. Henry, I invited you here because I'd like to talk about a topic with you dear to your heart, friendship. But first, what would you like to drink? Can't decide between a Carpe Diem, Lost in Berlin, or a fairy tale cocktail. But I think the shadow in me is drawn to the dark side. Bitters, lemon, maple espresso, and tonic. What are you going to have? I think I'll have my usual rosé champagne. But Henry, take a look at the light fixtures. Intricate and exquisite. They were designed by Diego Giacometti, Alberto's brother. Brothers, yes, and it seems they were also friends. Now, isn't that unusual in your experience and research? Alberto and Diego were quite unique from that perspective. Born just 13 months apart, they joyfully and creatively shared a studio in Paris throughout their artistic lives. Alberto's first sculpture ever was the head of Diego. Ah, here's Hermes. Kalinichta, gentlemen. May the wonder of this evening be with you. What can I bring you? Kalinichta, Hermes. Nice to see you again. My friend Henry will have the dark side cocktail, and I'll have my usual. You know what it is. Of course, sir. As quick as I can. Henry, you wrote a book about brothers and sisters. So I ask you, isn't it unusual for brothers to become friends? Don't they usually compete and fall into bitter rivalry? Look at that original pair, Cain and Abel. Brother and friend seem to be different archetypal forms. Everyone knows what a brother should be. Yet reality is so different. It's rare to find a brother who's like a brother or a sister who acts as a sister. You're more likely to find a friend who is like a brother, like us. The Abel and Cain story shows how siblings are so different from each other. If Cain is the farmer, 
then Abel must become the shepherd. If one sister is beautiful, then the other sister will become the intellectual, each in her own niche, cut off from the other's essence inside herself. The other factor I write about is emotional inequality. Here are your drinks, gentlemen. Drink down and deep. Wine opens the soul. Now I'm curious about what you call emotional inequality. What's that? Uh, introversion versus extroversion? The extrovert brother can make friends easily, the introvert brother can't? That's a type of inequality, of course. Then the serpent of envy may show its ugly head. Extroversion and introversion are orientations to life that are probably genetically predetermined, but they're not fixed. I am, as you are well aware, strongly extrovert. I've noticed. It's highly unusual for a Jungian analyst to be quite so extravagantly extroverted. You're an exception. In my world, there are no strangers, only friends I've yet to meet. But emotional inequality is something else. In a healthy family, there's more than enough love to go around in what I call the psychology of surplus. But in families governed by a psychology of scarcity, what one receives is always experienced as coming at the expense of someone else. There isn't enough to go around. Well, scarcity is rather more common in my experience. Sadly, this is true. This chosen, unchosen dynamic, repeated over and over in Genesis, for example, is an expression of emotional inequality. Such an underlying pattern of envying and being envied can also occur in friendship, where there is a feeling that one is special or gifted in a way that the other is not. The rival feels betrayed and so retaliates because shadowy emotions of hierarchy and envy predominate. Such friendships may have closeness, but they also have inherent instability. I'm sure you know of people who seem best friends, but who suddenly stop talking with each other. Yes, I do. It's called ghosting in the internet culture these days. It's shocking when it happens. One recent breakup I heard about was over politics. There's a lot of envy of the elite, and this creates deep resentment and gets played out even in old friendships. They crack. And sometimes break. Here's another question for you. Do you think there's a difference between women's friendships and men's? The usual rap is that women talk about feelings face to face, and men do things together side by side. Many men feel that showing feelings is a kind of weakness that endangers the masculine persona. As a result, many men are friendless. But psychologically, in the actual encounter of two true friends, there's no difference. True friendship is as genderless as it is timeless. What you're saying is that true friendship is rooted in a ground that is not subject to the vagaries of time and place. 
Like the archetype, true friendship is not time-bound, but eternal. <clears throat> I understand how friendship is eternal. So, Henry, how did you and Mary become friends? My friendship with Murray is a little like a fairy tale. For many years, I wanted to bring Murray to Israel, and finally he agreed to come. One day, I took him to Masada, the mountain overlooking the Dead Sea. When we were on top, we discovered that we were both born in Canada and both went to Yale University. I mentioned that as an undergraduate, I was involved with an ensemble, acting, directing, even writing plays. Suddenly, Murray whirled towards me, and in a biblical voice, with an outstretched hand, he said, You are the man. He explained that he wanted to write a play about the historical meeting between Carl Jung and Rabbi Leo Beck, and he was looking for a partner who would know what a rabbi might say. I was indeed the man. It happened right there on top of Masada. Yes, it's true, Hermes. I didn't know I was looking for Henry until I found him. True friendship is not sought and consciously chosen. It just happens. This is what makes friendship so special and meaningful in, in life. The archetype suddenly grabs hold of us and we're in it. Friends. This makes me think of a story about a holy man called Choni the Circle Maker. He got that unusual name because at the time of a terrible drought, people turned to him for help. So he walked into the field, drew a circle around himself and cried out, Master of the universe, I am not going to leave this magic circle until you bring rain. Raindrops began to fall, but he shouted, that's not the rain we are looking for. And it began to pour and pour and pour for days and days until it flooded and he had to go back out into the field, draw his magic circle again and cry out, I am not leaving this circle until the rain stops. Later, Honey fell asleep and slept for 70 years. When he awoke, he started asking about his friends, but they had all died many years before. He went to the house of study and heard them teaching his teachings, reciting his wisdom, but when he tried to enter, they ignored him. In desperation, he cried out, give me friendship or give me death. I'm like honey. I cannot live without my friends. They're the very breath of life, part of our never-ending conversation. I agree. Some part of the self comes alive with a friend like you, Henry. It's lying there dormant, waiting, and then in a conversation, a spark ignites the fires of imagination and it comes awake. That's how we've written our plays. The I Ching describes that type of friendship. When two people are at one in their innermost hearts, they shatter even the strength of iron or bronze. When two people understand each other in their innermost hearts, their words are sweet and strong, like the fragrance of orchids. 
May our words have such fragrance. Now, Murray, I want to ask you a question. Have you ever lost a friend? Yes. I've lost a number of friends. To death or for other reasons. It was like having a limb amputated. I know what you mean. Having a true friend die, there aren't words deep enough to convey this loss. It's like your soul was suddenly dragged down into a black hole and the gravity of grief allows for no escape. My best friend died young, in his prime, leaving a searing gap in my ontological landscape. But if there is some sort of algebra of suffering, I was thinking of something worse. I mean, when a true friend breaks off all contact. This is helplessness at a higher quantum level. The friend may still be alive, but rejects you brutally by his very absence. Do you know what I'm talking about, Murray? Yes, I do. I once had an experience like that and have never forgotten it. We were high school classmates and I assumed friends. One day, my old car broke down in the center of the large city where we lived, and I called his home to see if someone could come and pick me up. His mother kindly offered to do that since he was not at home, but she made the mistake <clears throat> of using his car. When he found out, he was enraged at her and at me for using his property without his permission. I will never forget the look of hatred on his face. I felt as if I had been in the presence of absolute evil. It's ice cold, like Satan in Dante's hell. It made me wonder then, what is a true friend? My experience, he was a false friend. He only cared to use me for his own benefit. The shadow of friendship is betrayal. The book of Proverbs harps on the theme of the false friend. The Judas goat is lurking everywhere. But Henry, isn't there always a chance of betrayal? Don't we have to recognize that even in the tightest and brightest friendships, the shadow is always lurking? Don't we have to reckon with the opposite of friendship? I think when friends dwell in sunshine, there's no aura of betrayal. But in conditions of duress or emotional blackmail, friendships can crack and fissure. Murray, I have my own story about a shadow that fell between true friends. I arrived in Israel in 1977, the week that the Egyptian president Anwar Sadat arrived. Oh, I remember that moment well. It was so full of promise. Begin and Sadat looked like friends when they stood together. They were friends, and they created a peace treaty which lasts unto this day. Anyway, I went to a gathering of the New Outlook in Tel Aviv, the leading dialogue for peace organization at that time. By chance and synchronicity, I sat next to a Palestinian man, just my age, who had recently returned from studying law in the UK. 
His name was Raja Shahadeh. Raja was thin, shy, even fragile. And I was extrovert, Jewish, and stocky. We almost immediately connected. After that, we would walk together in the Ramallah Hills or at his winter garden in Jericho. We'd have tea at the American Colony Hotel in Jerusalem. He came to my wedding and also to our family Seder, at the end of which he said, today, Israel is Pharaoh, and we are the children of Israel. I could not disagree. Oh, that's so moving, Henry. You really could hear him. He turned the ancient biblical story around to fit the present times, and you could respect his reversal of that sacred narrative. Friendship clicked in there, and you could hear and see his side of the story. This type of mirroring the other seems to be an essential feature of friendship. It is. He was not only a lawyer, but also a human rights activist, and later the author of very moving books about life in the West Bank, including one about our friendship, where the line is drawn. Now I remember his name. I read that book at your suggestion. We were friends, but we lived in different communities, different realities different checkpoints, different strip searches. Yet so close to one another geographically. Yes, only 10 miles apart. And although I was a supporter of Palestinian freedom, I'm not political or activist by nature. Gradually, Raja came to feel that I was not doing enough to oppose the oppression and the occupation. He was right. I tried to do more. I joined protests. I became active in clinicians against the occupation but it was not enough. Then, abruptly, Raja refused to see me, answer my letters, my calls. Suddenly, I was in the darkness. His absence was the fiercest accusation, but I understood why he had cut me off. When shadow rules, friendship may be unsustainable. In fact, it can break suddenly. And the opposite takeover, coldness, loneliness, enmity. It might have gone on like this forever. But with sad irony, lymphoma came to my rescue. He heard of my dire, perhaps life-threatening state and thought how he would feel if I died in friendship limbo. So he appeared at my bedside, tender, poetic, and wise, as ever, a force for healing. Since then, we have returned to being true friends. The politics and the tortured space between our countries is much, much worse. Our friendship is a hidden beacon, illuminating that somehow things can be different. What you say, Henry, is astonishing. Shadow need not always triumph. True friendship, true friendship is resilient and not absolutely subject to the power of its shadow. The ground of such friendship is a mystery beyond time with all its troubles. It's a form of life that resists the flux of change and mutability. You remind me of an old but true tale of two best friends. They were contemplating together the bitter exile of death that would inevitably separate them. 
Then each of them spontaneously came up with the same idea, saying, Swear to me by all that is holy, that you will appear to me in a dream after you die, and show me the splendors of the world to come. And so it was that even in death they were not parted. That's sure a lovely story. True friendship endures, even beyond death. Now I want to ask you another question. How many true friends can one have in a single lifetime? How many? Aristotle and Cicero believed you could have only one. Two bodies in one soul. A second self. My son, a true introvert, as a young boy said, Abba, you have too many friends. But now he understands. You can never have too many friends. If true friendship is timeless, as you say, then there's no clear limit to the number of friends you could have. Spoken as a true extrovert, Henry. I'm thinking now of that wonderful passage by Montaigne in his essay on friendship. Do you know it? He's speaking about his friend Etienne, who has passed away. I certainly do. Parce que c'était lui, parce que c'était moi. Beautifully spoken, and in the tongue of your birthplace, Henry, Montreal. I will say it in my language. Because it was him, because it was me. The great Montaigne then adds another line. Mediating this union there was, beyond all my reasoning, beyond all I can say specifically about it, some divine force of destiny. He seems to be saying that friendship of this kind depends on the self and synchronicity. I like what Montaigne says about souls supporting each other and that friends share a unique temenos coming together by this divine force of destiny. Murray, what is your experience of this divine force of destiny? For me, it manifests in synchronicity. Like with our friendship, our surprising conversation and recognition on the mountain, coming at an auspicious moment in our lives, bringing us together in a meaningful project, writing the analyst and the rabbi, and all that has followed from that. I've experienced such friendships a few times in my life, and they always began synchronistically. Excuse me, gentlemen. Another drink? A cocktail can create friendship between different kinds of people. I'm sure it can, Hermes. These drinks are delicious. Henry, what is your experience of a divine force in friendship? Well, I will speak about the emotional side of friendship. For me, this is the key. Recently, I gave a seminar on friendship. I started, as I always do, with an active imagination. Imagine you are with your best friend. How does it feel? Now, imagine you are walking down a street and you see your friend. You rush over to greet your friend, but they turn and walk away. How do you feel now?
At the end of my presentation, I added one more act of imagination. Now you suddenly see your friend running back to embrace you. I was not the only one in tears. I understand. Sometimes it seems that friends are a matter of life and death. Like your Talmudic friend Honey makes clear. With friends, life. Without them, death. And they console us for life's many losses, including the loss of loved ones. Now I'm thinking about the suffering of Job, who lost everything. Children, property, his health. His friends came to console him. They sat on the ground beside him for seven days and seven nights. To Job, they never spoke a word. So sad a sight he made. In the end, it was Job who broke the silence and cursed the day of his birth. At the beginning, Job's friends follow the Hebrew tradition that friends who visit the Shiva, the house of mourning, remain silent until the mourner speaks. I also identify with Job's friends as a failing analyst. There are patients in most serious distress, cursing the day they were born, and nothing I say provides comfort. Instead of words, I try to offer a presence that nevertheless shows there is meaning. Sometimes that's the only and the best thing we can bring as a friend. Even the presence of memories of a dear friend can bring peace and consolation, like an angel. I often dream of friends who have passed away, and I wake up with a happy feeling that we've been together again. Can angels be friends? Why not? Surely there's friendship in heaven as there is on earth. It would be so sad to think otherwise. We do call our friends angels, even guardian angels. Friends make us feel most at home. William Blake wrote, The bird, a nest. The spider, a web. A person, his friends. Murray, look, there's our angel. Where? Over there, inside the frame. Inside the frame? Yes, inside the frame of the clay drawing just behind your head. Turn around and look. Yes, there it is. The angel of friendship. The angel of friendship, yes. I feel there's a shadow passing. Is there anything that would stop us being friends? Is there? Here is another drink, gentlemen, on me. May your friendship receive the gift of the gods. Immortality. To friendship. To friendship. To friendship. <laughs>